1: Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete, from a sprint to Ironman.
3: Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals.
2: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
3: Hi Haley. How are you this week? Alyssa I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's race week for me so I'm uh, I'm busy. I'm like trying to get everything packed up you know just the normal race week kind of stuff where you're like getting everything together and all that but I'm racing St. George this weekend. I'm pretty pumped.
1: Yay that'll be super exciting. Are you going to be able to like stop i feel like whenever someone goes to that race they get to do like a little destination hike or like a drive through moab or something are you going to be able to like explore it all
3: i don't think so i know it's uh i mean that's like blasphemous but i think my exploration will be on the race course um which i guess does cover you know most of uh the area. I think it's pretty scenic course, which I'm really excited about, but I know I'm, I'm actually flying to St. George from Bozeman, so it's, I could drive. People do drive. It's about 10 hours, but that's just a long drive for me. I'm kind of an anxious driver, and I would have had to split up into two days. I'd have to borrow a car because my car isn't really freeway ready, and um, I, I just, it's not, I'm not super comfortable driving on the freeway, so there were a lot of logistics, and so I was able to get a pretty inexpensive flight you know relatively from bozeman to st george so that is the way i'm traveling so it does make me um have a set departure debt time on sunday morning because the race is on saturday
1: well, Haley, that was actually a trick question because I don't want you thinking about anything other than the race and going to win all of the money and go really fast. So you answer, you pass that test with flying colors. Good job.
3: <laughs> I know. Well, that is one of the problems I think I have sometimes with races, that like Baroloche, when I was like, why didn't I stay longer? Because I am like a little race focused, but it's a job, right? It's a work trip. And the cool thing is we see these places and maybe I get to see a little bit and I'm I hope that maybe some other time in my life, I'll be able to go back and do like a proper vacation. And that is something that I do plan sometimes. Do you ever do that? Like when you, when you go to far flung locations and you're like, Oh, next time I come back, I'll do a proper vacation here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, I probably will need to win the lottery too. So like, we'll just have to check like all of these things first
3: before and you, I come back for the do- proper vacation. <laughs> yeah, that too. But, um, but do you, you do a lot of like, vacations from home staycations right I saw you went camping this weekend I
1: did so yeah I mean I'm super lucky like I really love living here in Virginia in Charlottesville where I feel like you can you can do like a staycation one night little getaway super easy and so within like 60 to 90 minutes or less there are so I mean you have the Shenandoah National Park I, it's 20 miles away by bike so like you can get up to Skyline Drive and the Blue Ridge Parkway and, like, obviously, like, over 2,000 miles of trails, right? Because you can hop on the AT and then go, like, forever and ever if you wanted. So I like to just use that as, like, a getaway, and you don't need to win the lottery to, like, go camping for a night, which is amazing once you have the gear. So I did, yeah. We, I, I My boyfriend and I took the dog and our foster dog, which I somehow managed to convince him that camping with two humans – and two dogs into a two person tent was going to be a good idea. And he went along with it. So it could have like not been a very restful vacation at all. But I think dogs actually really like tent camping. It, I feel like a tent to them is like a little dog house or something. They like snuggle right up and have no issues really with it. So it all went really well. Um And it did. It's like nice to get away. I like the fresh like mountain air and the sunset and sunrise type of thing to like just relax a little bit and kind of get away from sitting in front of my computer and my phone all the time. So it's nice.
3: Good for you. And when you tent camp, are you like in a campground? Or do you just go out on the like the side of the trail and you just like like pitch a tent somewhere? Are you allowed to do that? So
1: there's a lot depending on where you go, there can be a lot of rules and regulations. So we're learning it, but that's like what we're interested in right now is like figuring those out and learning about it. Cause our we don't go to a campground. So our goal is to like Pick a trail or a peak that we want to do, or something like that, and then find. Yeah, like you can. We're so spoiled now with the internet. Like I don't know how people used to do this. Like people who were hiking and backpacking in the days without the internet. You are had like, to buy a book. You had to buy. Yeah, books but I even remember then, it's like a kid. It's like how do you even like? I guess yeah, some guy would write a book about like the good campsites along the AT or something. But like obviously now you can just Google Guy it or woman or It might've been Jennifer Farr Davis. That's true. She'd probably know all the best sites. That's true. And you, so yeah, you can just Google it now and you find tons of blogs and like hike reports and stuff from people saying, Oh, I hiked this trail and there's like a good campsite two miles in. And then there's like, there's space for one tent at the base of the peak. If you're lucky to be there early, and so they, you know, things like that. But the park, if you're in a national park, there are some rules. So like You have to know ahead to like look at the map and like within certain boundaries, you're not allowed to like camp near certain peaks and things like that. I'm not quite sure of all like the whys around it, but I just know you have to check that kind of thing. And you have to like check if there's campfires, but we don't really build a campfire. So we don't worry about that one.
3: What do you eat? Do you like bring a little jet boil stove and like make a little stir fry or are you just like top ramen? Like what are you eating? So we
1: should get like...
3: I I want to get to
1: the point where I can like carry in some food and like make a meal on a jet boil because the jet boil is so easy and it's so fast, right? But right now, since we're just doing it like we do our training for the day and then in the evening we'll like hike in like you know an hour hike or so. And so it doesn't leave a ton of time for like that kind of stuff that has to do with camping. Like we're basically there to like eat quickly and then like relax and sleep. So we actually have been doing, like, the, like, freeze-dried, like, MRE meals, <laughs> like, the camp meals, right? And so that means we just have to boil water, and then you put the water into, like, it's, like, chicken and rice, stir-fry. It is, like, it's, like, a stir-fry, but it's freeze-dried, right? And then we had, like, apple crisp for dessert, and then in the morning we have biscuits and gravy, and then we carry, like, a lot of snacks, and then... But, yeah, so that's what we've been doing so far. And And dog food. Yeah, Ramona has to carry her own food, though, when she comes. That's the rule. But it does – I mean, it makes it pretty easy. And those things are, like, pretty, you know, fairly calorically dense, I guess. Um, That was, like, the one thing we've learned is that we definitely have to make sure we, like – Feed ourselves enough, otherwise, like no one's happy after camping.
3: <laughs> and so, we, so after working up, out, right, and so then you we work get up out early. at home in the morning. Yeah, like, do you do like a ride or something from home? So you leave your bike at home and then you go camp.
1: Yeah, so like Saturday, I actually had a double ride Saturday. So I rode in the morning early, and then I rode in the afternoon, and then I ran off the bike, and then we went and camped, and then. Sunday, like we had to get back. We had a like long run day and a swim, long swim day. So, like, you know, it's camping. You wake up when the sun rises, basically. so you know, getting up early and getting home like early ish isn't too bad, but you also don't want to get home and then like still need to eat a full meal and feel really hungry and feel blah. Like you want to feel still like good and on track to hit the training for the day. So otherwise coach gets mad and she'll like take away camping privileges. So I have to like Yeah, this is pretty logistically
3: Logistically intensive. How does your sleep out there? And do you by chance use any noon rest when you're out there to help you get a good night's sleep? Because that'd be my worry. Like what if you get a terrible night's sleep and then you have to go for this long run the next day and you're like so groggy.
1: So noon rest would actually be one of the perfect things because it's like super compact and it'll be easy to throw in your pack and just throw in your water bottle with you in the tent, like as you're kind of winding down and reading or whatever. I have been using that in general now that my training has been picking up. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with it, it's basically a, it's another of the noon tablet products and it has, I think like the lemon chamomile flavor is my
3: favorite. Haley, have you tried the others? I've tried both, the lemon chamomile and the, I think it's blackberry vanilla. I I think the lemon chamomile is my favorite as well. I'm a big fan of citrus flavors. So I'm that's a big fan right of up, chamomile right of my flavors. Alley. So there we go.
1: <laughs> and it has, what else is in it? It's like magnesium, right? And maybe some like tart cherry, I think I've read is in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so these are all things that, you know, like, are products that you are just known to help you kind of get better sleep speed up some recovery processes things like that and in in the wild Haley you know it certainly would be good so the first rule about going camping is you can't be worried about your sleep because if you're worried about not getting sleep then you're definitely not going to get sleep like your anxiety is going to keep you up so you have to go into it knowing it's not going to be like super restful but I wear my Garmin pretty much all the time and that does actually track sleep you know and so I've looked at, like, the times we've gone camping. How does that compare? And I I definitely get more light sleep than I do if I'm at home. But, like, the overall time is actually pretty much comparable, you know? Um, So the quality is probably sacrificed a little bit because you're, like, outside. And I worry about, like, bears and, like, things coming to, like, eat me and the dogs. But the one perk I will say is that, like, you know, we have, like, a nice inflatable, like, mat and whatever. But it's still quite, like, a hard... I mean, you're sleeping on the ground. So, but I've noticed that after sleeping on the ground, like my back and my body actually feels like good, like better. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't there like the like Asian sleeping style? Like they have different mattresses in Asia. And I think that's like a thing, right? And they're more firm. And I think it's supposed to, in theory, be like better for you. And like my back feels like really good after sleeping on the ground, (laughs) As no, weird as that interesting. is. So maybe I need to swap my real life mattress for something more firm. I don't know.
3: You should just start sleeping on the floor. Can, do you have a backyard? Do you have a little like yard you could just go pitch a tent in? I have a porch. Um, I could. Although it gets a little harder as like we head into the northern hemisphere summer because the days get longer. And so it's like so light, so late. Then you're going to need like, do you wear an eye mask? At all to like help you get to sleep earlier.
1: I do, yeah. I'll do eye mask, earplugs, noise machine. I don't do all of that when I'm camping. Like I don't go camping in the woods and then pull out my like
3: <laughs> my, noise like, <laughs> machine that like stimulates like campgrounds. For the record, I
1: would, but I like then, yeah, I might be like disowned. So um, I don't do that, but I, I always have like earplugs and eye mask on hand if needed for sure, because you just, you don't, you never want to take a chance to be unprepared for sleep.
3: Can I tell you a funny story about noon rest? I don't know if this like totally relates to noon rest, but I have been taking it a little bit, and um, I think it is one of those things you don't want to overdo because the magnesium like you don't want to take too much magnesium, but it can be really good, so you only want to take you know one tablet per night but um I'm good. I had this crazy dream the other night, like because of taking noon oh, well, I don't think it was because of taking noon rest. I often have crazy dreams, but I dreamt that I was running for president and But I accidentally flew to Ohio instead of to Iowa to, like, start my, like, campaign. (laughs) I went to the wrong state. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. I woke up before I found out, like, what else happened on the campaign trail. But it wasn't, I guess it wasn't a very successful campaign. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, that's a big mistake to make. Um, Well. But I did get some good sleep so (laughs) so there was that I didn't win any any awards or any like uh, nominations or any offices but I got some good sleep
1: and even if the fun dreams are related to it then like that's okay I feel like who doesn't want some more dreams like in their in their way right I love when I wake up and I remember
3: yeah I know it was kind of funny but I was like really Iowa you know to go to Iowa (laughs) not Ohio (laughs) anyway I guess I could have rented a car I could have figured that one out
1: all right, Haley. Well, moving on. So I, yeah, I told you that I did, I had double bike Saturday. And so my second ride of the day was on the trainer. And I was actually super pumped because the, I was watching some of all the coverage from Texas. And I was able to like watch that race unfold. And we also had Iron Women on the ground live. We had Sarah and Ashley in the Woodlands and they did all of their pre-race interviews. I think I... I, I can like make myself laugh now. Like if I ever need to make myself laugh for something, I'm just going to think of when Ashley Wiles is interviewing Jocelyn McCauley and Wahoo Fitness came up and Ashley said like, yeah, do you think that Wahoo is called Wahoo? Because that's the sound that people make when they like learn to ride a bike. And Jocelyn kind of looked at her and Ashley goes, yeah, you know, like Wahoo, (laughs) And then Jocelyn goes, that's not the sound I make when I make I ride a bike and Ashley's like, "Well, what sound do you make?" And Jocelyn's like, "Argh." <laughs>
3: very honest coverage and it's it was, like very honest like from the source news coverage here like no bs It, it is was like the amazing. real deal
1: oh yeah no it was by far that was like that's one of my highlight of all iron women interviews ever so those are still on facebook for you to go back and watch and then also i heard there's something on instagram tv
3: I know I had to like learn how to use Instagram TV. I had to update my Instagram, which I've like, I, I hate updating. I know it's good. Actually, sometimes you update and it's like, whoa, I have all new emojis and like everything's new and it's wonderful. So I did have to update to get access to the Instagram TV, but you can go on there and st- still see it. You can see, uh, Daniela's victory speech that she gave. I mean, it was an incredible race, right? Like, when have we seen Daniela not in the lead? I mean, except for Kona last year when she got stung by a jellyfish. But on like a normal day, it doesn't happen. I think they were saying the last time she didn't win in Ironman was in 2014. Kona 2014 when Rennie passed her, when Miranda Carfrey, you know, passed her right near the end of the run. So to see Jocelyn running in front of Daniela Reef in the early miles of the of the run and holding off till mile 17, like, I mean... That was crazy. That's something we haven't seen in a long time. And and it was it was fun to watch. But Daniela gave, you know, Jocelyn some some proper some props, I guess, some uh, proper recognition for pushing her on the day in her speech. So if anyone wants to go on that, it's like Instagram TV is like when you if you've updated. Log on to Instagram, you can look, it's like up in the right-hand corner, there's like a little TV icon. I guess you click on that, and then you can scroll through and see um, the Iron Woman TV page and you can watch that. It's worth a watch. But it was a fantastic race. I mean, that the race for the Kona slots where like Leslie Smith and Kim Morrison were, you know, racing to the very end for that fourth place and that Kona slot was incredible. I think Leslie got her by like 30 seconds. I mean, it was crazy racing, but awesome racing and congratulations to everyone there and thanks to Sarah and Ashley for bringing us some insight from those videos. And as always, if you enjoyed that coverage
1: there, or you enjoy our podcast, or the If We Were Writing podcast, or the If We Were Writing newsletter, please consider supporting us via Patreon. You can become a patron, and it's just another way to get involved in our community, help support us that are bringing you this content, and helping to raise the profile of the women racing in triathlon and other badass endurance sports, and you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash livefeisty to find out more about that. But for something as simple as $2 a month, you can become a patron and we will thank you for that. And thank you, a huge
3: thank you to those of you who have already joined us. Yes, big thanks. I echo Alyssa's thanks there, and we wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our previous guests from this year, Kate Mahivik Edwards was on in February. She talked about she's a she's a physical therapist from Atlanta who discovered she has a heart condition. You know she she fell in love with running and triathlon, and she was actually training for her first Ironman. She discovered she had this heart condition that made it un made her unable to exercise. So if you haven't listened to that, that interview, I highly recommend it. You know, it talks about our love for sport and what happens, you know, if we can't do that, how do we stay connected to the sport? What else can we do and how do we cope with that? And Kate's story is an incredible one, but Exciting news is that she has a new book coming out. It is called Go Ahead, Stop and Pee, A Guide to Running During Pregnancy and Postpartum. And right now she has a Kickstarter going on to help fund the book. It um, We will include that link to that Kickstarter in our show notes. But the Kickstarter, I think, goes through May 18th. And the book should be out in June. And she's about halfway to her goal. So hopefully we she'll make it. It sounds like a great, great book. And I know that I have some athletes who are you know, either pregnant or postpartum that would probably um, benefit from Kate's knowledge. She's a mom herself and like was an avid runner and of course a physical therapist. And I believe she co-wrote it with another physical therapist. So great information there. If anyone is interested, check out that Kickstarter link in our show notes. Okay, Haley,
1: we're going to jump right into a couple mailbag questions. So thanks to everyone who's been sending those in. And if you have questions you want Haley and I to answer, you can send them to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Our first one today is from Sharon, and she has a question on training. She wants tips for balancing training for a 70.3 in August, but also racing in the summer mountain running series in New England. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Those mountain races include significant elevation gain, gain and are about half on trail, half on pavement. Is it possible to train properly for both disciplines at the same time? Any advice is appreciated.
3: This question was tailor made for you. (laughs) I know. I like, I
1: got so excited. I was like salivating when I was reading. I was like, yes, this is like, this is my wheelhouse. So there, you know, it's funny. The, the short answer, Sharon, is that like, well, there's two short answers. Like on one hand, you know, it's hard because like, you can't always have your cake and eat it too. Right. So like, If your goal is to, like, win the mountain running series in New England and, like, be, like, the best mountain runner, then, like, your triathlon time for 70.3 is probably going to be very, very minimal, right? And, like, you might not be as strong in the 70.3 and, like, vice versa, right? Like, if you really want to, like, win your age group, get a spot to Worlds for 70.3, like, something like that then your time is best spent on triathlon and that's not going to make you the strongest mountain runner that you can be. However, that said, if your goal is to like do both of these very strong, enjoy it, have fun and like be multi-talented, you can totally do that. You just have to definitely balance a few things. And like the one thing I would say is that strength becomes like a huge, huge factor in this. And especially for mountain running You don't need to get a ton of mileage, but you need to just be super strong. And like that strength is also really good for triathlon running, I think. And so if you spend like your run time of your training, in my opinion, on trails, in the mountains and doing that, then you will 100% be strong enough to be one. It'll probably make your biking stronger because your legs are going to get a lot stronger. And then two, like you're going to be strong enough to carry you through that 70.3 run. You know, you'd be surprised at how if you do maybe run one run a week with like some speed work in it, and maybe some you know something else on the treadmill to kind of keep your turnover going, your road running stays like quite strong. So I would say like those are the big tips, Haley. I don't know. Do you do you feel like you have like how do you you know if she's these are obviously the running series. Like maybe she wants to kind of skew training to be running a little bit more. So. Do you keep your swim volume by using swim as, like, recovery swims? Is that something you would do?
3: Yeah, and I think, I mean, she says mountain running series in New England. I'd be curious to know, like, how long are these runs? Like, if they are fairly short, like, they can probably fit in really well to, you know, with 70.3 training. If we're talking, you know, like, more than a half marathon, you know, where you are, you're out there for three to... I don't know 20 hours um (laughs) or more I guess 60 hours if you're doing like Barclay. um I mean then then things change a bit so I think that you know it can be very refreshing to do some some mountain running like you said and I think that that could you know if these are shorter runs like they could totally just work in with training and and maybe it is like maybe you're not tapering for all of these runs and you're doing some of them as like training runs and but yeah and I would still say yeah use swimming as as recovery like I think as long as you're you know making contact with the water feeling the water you you know your swim is going you're not gonna lose too much with swimming and then cycling can be great recovery too so if you did decide to like focus on this mountain running series like use the swim and run as cross training because you're gonna get some like you know nice, low impact aerobic training there without, you know, and then you do your runs, you know, a little more focused. I agree.
1: I think hopefully we helped ease your fears, Sharon, that you can definitely do both. And we definitely, I think we would encourage you to do both and to have a little fun. Our second question is from Allie and she has a question in regards to sighting in open water. She just did her first open water session of the season and she ended up straining or tweaking her neck. So do we have tips on how to sight without straining or injuring yourself? So Haley, I feel like this one's right up your alley.
3: Ouch. I'm sorry, Allie. I'm (laughs) sorry about your neck. So I guess, so she was in open water. I think it sounds like you're probably lifting your head a little too high. I like to think about when I'm sighting, sighting is not about breathing. Like sighting is just sighting. So you kind of think about alligator eyes, you know, and just like, you're just basically like bringing your eyes just above the water. Continue to breathe to the side. I mean, that's a lot faster. So, you know, when you sight, just look up real quick, you know, sight to a buoy, sight to a tree, sight to, you know, a fixed object, whatever you can, whatever you're sighting off of. And then, you know, get that head backed in and down and then breathe to the, you know, to the right or the left. And hopefully that's a little bit easier on, on your neck. Cause it does sound like maybe you're, you know, you're pulling that up too too far, which could hurt your neck. And it's also a lot slower. Like if you think about if you're sitting upright, you know, so that you're looking for far ahead, you're probably not moving forward. So we want to keep that upward momentum, you know, as minimal as possible to keep everything going forward. And Haley, we will jump right into
1: next our interview for the week. And we have on the podcast today, Anya Ipik and Haley she was actually my inspiration for like I said in the beginning I brought in another foster dog this week so you can hear about how she inspired me to do that yet again she got that seed planted but in the triathlon realm Anya has been a pro for many years now and her accolades she's like a very consistent podium finisher in 2015 she also had a great year where She was third at Challenge Roth and third at the 70.3 World Championships in 2016. She was fourth in Kona, and she won Ironman Wales before. I'm trying to remember that year. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. Oh, 2015.
3: I think, yeah, no, she like raced in Austria at 70.3 Worlds in 2015, got third there, and like three weeks later went and won Ironman Wales, which is a... A really hard course so I mean those were two really hard courses three weeks apart it's quite the quite the double clearly she was on
1: point maybe she was doing some mountain running as training in those (laughs) that year because it probably would have helped her for those races to be honest
3: I think she's a Mm -hmm. monster on the bike I think that is you know I think that in that I remember that 2016 Kona race I was watching it on you know online or something and she was killing it on the bike and, and held on obviously pretty well for fourth so she is strong strong athlete Yes. And so we ask Anya all
1: about all this, what's next and what she's been up to next.
3: Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have my very first Kona. I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Xelio sun barrier SPF 45 is a zinc based and water resistant sunscreen. It's long lasting oil-free and won't sting your eyes. I've used it and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like
1: Heather Jackson, Lindsey Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget
3: someone? Oh, that's right, in our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelios products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF
1: 45, the Twixt Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products,
3: and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com to get 20% off.
1: Hi Anya, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. (laughs) So you recently raced Ironman South Africa, and it was definitely classic South African conditions with a choppy swim, a windy bike, and of course the sun on the run. So this was a race that happened to have some super swimmers in it, uh, like Lucy Charles, and you still managed to be first off the bike, but so that's just amazing in itself. Congratulations on that, and I think that's probably something you walked away from the race pretty happy about but we definitely want to know how the day unfolded for you
0: yeah to be honest it wasn't my my goal being first off the bike this is something what what just happens sometimes in races um but yeah the day was um i mean it was it was clear that i wouldn't be in the first group with lauren brandon and lucy charles so i knew there would would have been a gap and uh, unfortunately, with that choppy conditions, you know I'm from Germany, so I'm not very used to to surf or to, to swim in these uh yeah choppy sea, so I got a little bit lost, and uh yeah, I was losing a lot of time but uh when I got out of the swim, I didn't know how many minutes I got I just saw i didn't I didn't see them, and uh on one hand i was I was happy because. In that race, my goal was to, to race on my own, which means to be every moment during the race in the moment and focusing on, on myself because uh, I made the experience in the last yeah 20 years of racing that usually I'm, I can perform at my best level when I concentrate on my own. And the best thing to do this is when you're racing on your own. So uh, when I got out of the sea, I was, I was just thinking positive and thinking, okay, now you're racing on your own and this could be just good for you. So, yeah, I just uh, went and jumped on my bike, on my new bike. So I was very motivated because I always have a very close relation and uh, passion <laughs> to my bike. So I was happy to, to get that bike out of the course. And, yeah, so when I was racing, I was really like like in my own – world to say this uh, mentally and yeah emotionally I was I was very happy to race there because when I was seeing the course the race course before the days before the race I really fell in love with that African scenic coastline and I'm a very emotional athlete so if there is a nice course and there are nice people around there and a good atmosphere I can really Get uh, empowered, and so I was really just enjoying, and I was looking around and smiling, and just happy, happy to be there, and happy to be back in racing because it was uh, like one year I wasn't racing, and yeah, then on the bike I really felt that that I missed that a lot, and that I that I'm just happy to be back in racing and to yeah to see this as a gift to to just do this what I love to do and. And so I was, I was totally in love on the bike, to be honest. <laughs> in love with the place, in love with the people there, and yeah, and feeling comfortable. And and so I, yeah, when I when I met the girls after about 110 k, I was, it was really surprising me, and uh, I didn't, I didn't want to pass them, but on that part of the of the course, I was quite fast, so I. I passed them and I apologized for passing and uh, then I thought okay I just yeah take the take the the ride on the front and uh, because then I can be more again into my own race and yeah so I was I was quite surprised then when I got off the bike that the girls didn't went with me because I thought they are just close to me and sitting behind and yeah so it was a really surprising situation i didn't plan it but um yeah what i planned or what the idea i had was racing my own race and this, uh, this i 100% did and uh, yeah so it
3: was it was a good feeling and uh, and i was i was really happy with that so anya it really looked like you went for it on the bike as a spectator we we're watching this why come off the bike in the like you know in front of the likes of Lucy Charles um, is incredible, and we've seen you, you know, have these amazing races in the past where you had this monster bike split, but this is, <laughs> this is fascinating to hear that you almost, you apologized for passing them on the bike, and, I mean, it seems like your your post-race reflection is very positive. You, you ended up finishing fifth. I believe there are only two Kona slots, so, I mean, are you yeah. happy with that finish? Is that the finish that you were looking for on the day?
0: Uh, no, to be honest, not. I mean uh I, I hadn't I called it an African dream because um, you know, I am um I, I always need these phrases for myself to to get motivated and to uh to get into a good emotional vibes. And so I had this African dream of getting my Kona flop there and um yeah, and making a good performance. So it was definitely not that the dream I was dreaming of, but yeah, You know, in in Ironman, it's it's always quite hard to realize your dreams. It's a long day, and there happened many many things. So um, it was definitely not a dream come true. But you know, in sport, it isn't that always a dream come true. So that's why why you call it a dream. But um, I was I was also happy with that fifth place because um, with not racing for such a long time, I really felt that I had got a big passion and. And that i'm on fire again and so that i'm just grateful to to be back into into the passion and to to live my passion and so i was i was happy uh also i was a little bit disappointed if you just don't look on the results but you know i'm racing for 20 years and uh and you learn with uh yeah to handle with these these things and every year you learn more and quicker to get over these little things where, yeah, maybe not a hundred percent was that what you, what you wanted to do. But also I think everything happened because of a reason. And, um, if I look in the past and there were races, which didn't work out like I wanted to do, then there comes another race, which was overwhelming and which was, which, which was great. And so I think it's, it's just the journey which I have to go and uh, that race I learned a lot and I'm happy for that so it's not that I have feeling that I that I failed it's just the dream didn't come true but um, it's still early on the season and the direction of the performance is definitely the right one and I think you know if if you just invest them the time in in the negative thoughts, it's just wasting energy. So I try to, to look on the positive things. What did I learn? What was the the adventure and the the whole journey? And uh, and this was everything very very positive, and it makes me very happy to meet all these people and to to have this yeah this this magic event there. And so so it was more positive than negative and this is why I'm I'm one most if I have a total look I'm I'm happy and grateful for this. And um so it's still something to do and this, um I'm motivated but uh I can say I'm I'm more than less uh yeah confident with uh with the with the race and um yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's Iron Man, yeah? It's it's not always uh, your dream come true, yeah? <laughs> so um, you just have to handle the good and the bad things. And um, I try to do it with, with my optimism and with being positive and, and learning.
1: That's such a good way to put it, that it just simply, it's not always going to be the dream come true. And I think listening to you talk about the day, I was having flashbacks to my own day when I raced South Africa years ago, because I got lost in that swim too, Anya. And it was, (laughs) the kayakers had to come over to me and yeah, they had to point me back and I had to swim back and go get the buoy I missed. And it was, it's, it's, it's Uh, definitely a tough swim there. Um, when, if you're not used to that kind of, of ocean conditions, I think. So I feel for you there, but, um, you know, listening to you talk about your race strategy and just racing kind of yourself and your own race there. But then it's clear at the same time you were obviously engaged. You were, you know, you talked to the women as you passed them. And um, there's also a video that you shared on your Facebook page our listeners can take a look at where you passed uh, a physically challenged athlete, and you might have to help me with his name if you remember, but he lost his leg to bone cancer. Solani. And... Okay, yes. Yeah. So Solani, yeah. <laughs> there's a, a the beautiful clip of you passing him um, on the bike, and as you overtake him, you turn to him, and you can see in the video that you're saying something to him. So um, we're just curious, what did you say to him, and, and what did that moment
0: mean to you? Um, I can't remember the really... Uh, Particular words, but I, I said something that that they are looking strong and that they should enjoy every minute um, of the race and that they should just smile. But um, yeah, it really this moment was was really empowering and motivating me because I I met this guy prior to the race and I get to know him through um, through Ironman where he has an interview. And I just listened to, to his story while he was giving the interview. And and I was so much impressed because it's not just that he's an, a disabled person. He is, I mean, he grew up on the street and he was living under a bridge and his life was full of, of crime and pain and, and he was in prison. And if you, or well, if I was, was listening to that, it was it was really um, yeah I can't find the word for that I was I was shocked and but I was also shocked because this man was still smiling and this man has such a source of, of positive energy which yet which really impressed me and and inspired me because there was an. Yeah, a person when when you usually think he has no reason to smile because if you listen to his his story and if you if you see him, um, you never thought that that this person can be happy and he was so much happy and so positive and this really inspired me and um, and yeah and that's that's what Man Man about it's it's about meeting different people and we all go through the same journey we all have the same passion for that sport and this is you know this is linking us somehow this is connecting and bonding us and uh, and this was very very emotional um but i but i passed him also on a section where we were uphill and we were a bit slower so i got the chance to to talk and, and smile to them and yeah so going this Journey together and doing races together. This is something I, I really like. I like to, to share the sport and I like to, to do the same races with people who, who have the same, the same goal. And uh, so it was really empowering me and, and making me happy seeing them but, that they have good fun out there, also like, like I have, and that we have the same
3: goal to, to bring it to the finish line. That is a special thing about Ironman. We are, we're on the same course. We're on the same course. And like you said, same goal to find that finish line. And Anya, you mentioned a year of not racing and I'm assuming that's 2018. Can you tell us a little bit about why, why you didn't race in 2018? Was it an injury?
0: Yeah, it was an injury. I had glandular fever and, uh, so, I had to take off in in May for about yeah six months. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was I was quite fit in April. I was on my best performance ever, and when the races start, the race season started. I I realized that yeah somehow didn't work very well, and uh, my performance level went down and. Um, and then I got to know that I have the glandular fever, so I had to take off for about six months, and this was quite hard because uh, I was so in such a good shape, and I invested uh, six months of training, and and uh, yeah, and then I was sitting the whole summer at home, and um, and doing doing no races and doing nearly no, no sport. But um, yeah, this time I'm. I mean during the time it was hard but now when I'm looking back I'm also grateful for this time because in that time I I really learned a lot I learned how much I am grateful for doing the sport and how much I love that sport how much it is important for me and uh, I had a lot of time to um, yeah to rethink and to question myself what what I want in life and what is important for me and so it's 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 always good if you have these hard and struggling moments because they they give you the answer for this, what, what you really want, what your heart wants, and not just what you do because you do it every day. And uh, taking this time off and investing it in, in myself and in my, yeah, in my, let's say, personal development, this really, really helped me. And so... It was a good and a bad thing. It was a bad thing regarding my sports career because I wanted to have good results this year. But It was a good thing regarding my growth. And in the end, I think it's it's more important or, or it is important that you still move on and that you still grow year by year, day by day. And in the last year, I really grow a lot.
1: <laughs> and Anya, I think as you begin training back again for your 2019 season, as you were healthy again, you headed to a popular training destination, de- destination Fuerteventura. And while you were there, there was a post that caught my eye. Um, it was actually from James Mitchell, who's a popular photographer in that area for the pros. And he captured a visit of, um, when you went to a Pereira, I believe, which our listeners would mm-hmm. probably know as a dog shelter or a rescue organization type of thing. And so, while most pros are over there, they have their sights set on three things, right? They want to swim, bike, and run and get ready for their seasons. And so that was such a, you know, it was refreshing to see that you were taking time and energy for that organization. And can you tell us a little bit about what your involvement is with that and why it was important for you to, to make that time, you know, in probably this very important prep time for your season for you?
0: Yeah, um... Yeah, it's I think it's it's my personality. Um, you know, for me it's important when I'm it doesn't matter where I am, if I'm at home or somewhere somewhere else. It's that I that I don't look just on training and on my watch and on my watts. I'm I'm a person who, who want to get involved with the area who I where I am. And um I mean if you train on Ventura, you you know, you bike all along the island, and you you get in touch with with the problems on the island and with with the problems of or the local problems. And uh, I I spend a lot of time on Fortevento. I sometimes I call it my second home because it's like two three months per year where I where I go there. And um, yeah, in the last four or five years, I get to know the problems with the. Let's say the wild dogs or the dogs who are thrown away on the street, and um, and the, these Pereira, they um, they are not just uh, you know dog sh- shelters or rescue dog shelters, which you think they just uh, take care of these these dogs who have no home. Um, you know they they still kill them because they they are crowded and if they have no space they just have to to kill them and uh and this is a a big problem and if you if you get to know about this i'm I'm this kind of person if' if there is any any injustice or crime or or anything that yeah that um yeah that is yeah that is uh, somehow like um crying out of, for you, yeah. It's, I, I can't look away. And uh, so I I informed myself about the conditions on the island, about the politics, and I get into contact with uh, um, dog rescue clubs. And um, as an athlete who, who I'm training there, and I often fly like three, four times per year to the island, I just thought, okay, how can I help? And I can just help if... For example, I do flight escorts. So I take a dog from the island to Germany or to Europe uh, where they get hosted into into families. Or, and I can also encourage other people because I know many people traveling there. When I'm in the hotel, I talk to people about the problem and that they can help with doing just a flight escort. And um, so this is something I get involved for the last three, four years. And every time when i'm there i'm I'm looking into the pereiras and and just try to support the the volunteers there who are trying to yeah to handle the the problem as good as they can and sometimes it's you know just feeding the dogs and giving them and smoothing them and uh the last time when I have been there and I had a photo shoot with james Mitchell and He's also, uh, I mean, he's living on the Canary Islands and he knows about the problem. And for him, it was, he was happy that he can come with me and support me or support, uh, yeah, or, yeah, do something with just taking photos and, and showing the situation and showing the problems which are on the island. And uh, so it was, it was on one side quite nice that we could do something and uh, and not just you know if you're on the island and you know about these problems then you just look away, maybe it's just a, a drop on a hot stone. I don't know if this expression exists in in English, but uh, it's it's something that you can do. And I think also as a as a sportsman or as a, as a professional athlete with many followers, I I have the the power to. To keep people an eye on this problem, and uh, and maybe this also keeps attention and uh, and can make a change. I mean, we we can't, or I can't, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's say rescue the world, but maybe I can I can just do little things to make it a little bit better, and I can maybe motivate people to do the same. And this is uh, something which is which is important for me and um, because triathlon is, is my passion but on the other hand which is really my passion is is helping people and and yeah and and giving yeah giving a hand or where where it is needed and um, so I just try to find a way through my sport to do something good
3: and Anya, your, your philanthropy isn't limited to the Pereiras of Fuerteventura. You posted earlier this year that a third of your prize money will go to social organizations in your area. So we know uh, that pro triathlon isn't exactly known for making athletes super rich. Um, so that's this yeah, is super admirable. <laughs> like, how you know What prompted this decision and what kind of organizations are you uh, donating to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what
0: what I said right now is uh, I just don't want to do triathlon and, and want to race. I want to do something good. So when I was younger, I always want to work as a street worker, and uh, but then I got into triathlon and I really found my my big passion in there. And and so I, I was thinking, what what can I do? And at the moment, I don't have the the time to yeah to work as a street worker or to Work in a in a rescue dog shelter, but at the moment I can maybe put attention and and put some money and and support people and organizations who who need the money and who who do a great job, and uh, and this is also some kind of giving me a deeper sense of racing, which is which is important for me, and I think this also changed the uh, the last yeah 2 or 3 years because before i was just you know performing on the highest level i can and getting attention and love and being the best and the older i got the more it was important to to share my sport with people and to um yeah to do something which is maybe a bit bigger than just racing and, and so i decided this year to to share my money and um that's just give me a a deeper sense and uh yeah and uh, um yeah and the motivation as well to race uh as fast as I can and i'm i'm donating this um this money to one of this is uh, about the the dog rescue in Fort Aventura, and the other thing things are a local project here in my hometown with disabled people and uh with that they they can integrate them in a normal life and so i try to to spread the money there where where i am and where i also see where the money goes and uh, yeah and hopefully the the season will be a good one so that there is a lot of money and uh, i can yeah i can just donate and and share and make it a bit better well, you certainly will have some good karma
1: behind you racing for the prize purses now um, after making that commitment. So I think that can only help you, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that, that was
0: not the main reason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You never know. Maybe you'll start like a, a fury of people doing the same thing to just to try and get more karma on their sides too. We'll have to see how, how yeah. 2019 goes for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: that's, that's good. Yeah.
1: And Anya, you've raced in Kona actually several times as a professional dating back to, I believe 2012 was the first time that you were there as a pro. And at that mm-hmm. time there was a system qualifying similar to now where you earn that spot based on your finish at a previous Ironman event. And then you also raced in Kona in the years with the Kona points ranking system where kind of it was more of you raced several times to accumulate points to rank you high enough to qualify. And now you're working again in 2019 towards the qualification, you know, where you have to place high enough to get one or two spots at a, at a race. So what are your thoughts on just kind of professional racing in Kona in general? And do you like the new system compared to, you know, what we're now seeing since KPR points were were a thing, like, do you think it's a good thing to bring back the older system?
0: Um, I think both systems, when and contrast, um, I mean, with the old system, it was you could calculate somehow your um, percentage if you will race in Kona or not. So it was also something of calculating, which makes it more, um, let's say more. Um planable um but the bad thing about this was that you have to do many races and uh, and so sometimes you you have been just tired in October because you did many races just to get the qualification and uh now, with the new system, it's definitely harder, and I think there will be definitely a different field compared to the last years. Um, because there will be some surprising athletes or athletes who maybe didn't get the qualification with the old systems because they were at a race where maybe there was no strong athlete and uh, and they got the slot and I think there will be also very good athletes, maybe one of the top ten which won't race in, in Kona because they don't get the slot so I think the field will be definitely different and um I, I can't say I mean maybe I would prefer the older system because of you know the calculation so you could do something and with every race you did, you definitely get points now it's uh, like for me in South Africa it's like yeah it was it was wasting energy regarding the qualification and when i when I was on the marathon and i I slowed down and I got passed by by the girls I had this just this thinking in my mind shall I drop out of the race because the qualification is gone and it makes me in that moment where I just got this thought in my mind it makes me angry because that's not the way of, of racing and that's not the way I I wanna I wanna race I don't want to have this thought uh, getting out of a race just because I don't get the qualification so I prefer racing by heart and uh and this I, I could do with the older system. You know, I just raced hard until the end of the, of the race and just grab as much points as I got. And, um, and so I, honestly, I would prefer the older one, but, you know, it is what it is. And so I just have to make a, yeah, make a new plan and strategy to, to get the qualification this year and maybe in
3: another race. That's an interesting, interesting point to bring up about, you know, the, the incentives to finish or not finish when you are going for those Kona slots and, and you know, that there are only two slots. And even if you're having a great race, sometimes that, you know, it just, it is, it's who shows up, but, um, Anya, you you're based in Germany for most of the year and you've raced a lot in Europe. I've raced a little, I've done like one race in Europe. Alyssa has raced extensively in Europe and I know that she loves it. Can you give us some reasons why, you know, most of our listeners are probably based in North America, why they might try a destination race in Europe? And and do you have a favorite one? Oh, yes, I have a favorite one.
0: <laughs> I might be asking more favorites, but, uh, yeah, I think the the really, really favorite one is is the Challenge Roth. This is, uh, I mean, it's, it's also because I grew up with that race, so my hometown is just 25 k's away from Roth, and uh, it's it's a little bit of also yeah a magic area regarding triathlon. It has this you know with this Ironman Europe story. So this is where yeah triathlon or Ironman started in Europe. So it's uh, it's a little bit like Kona just regarding the magic and the story behind. And and for me this this race is. Uh, it's outstanding and it's something very unique um because of the atmosphere there you have good yeah people uh with on that very popular climb the solara hill who are standing like at the tour de france you know in five second in five six rows and cheering you cheering you and uh yeah this is the atmosphere there is it's very magic and it's uh yeah, it's the people who bring the atmosphere and who are making this event to a to unique and, and wonderful event. And I think this should this race should be on a bucket list definitely for all people who are doing Iron Man. Um because it's uh, yeah, it's that special feeling and that special vibes um, on on that race that you definitely you have to feel it. You just have to you just have to experience it. You have to go there. It's a must.
1: <laughs> and growing up twenty five k's away from the start, you can almost like ride your bike to the start in the morning. That's that's close enough for a good little yeah, warm up yeah, that way.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, it's in the transition area the day before. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I would do the warm up there then. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's
1: true. And so Anya, have you had a chance to kind of reassess your racing strategy for this year and do you know yet where our listeners could find you racing next?
0: Ah uh, yeah, I mean I I have to rethink and to yeah, to rework my my race schedule after uh after South Africa. And um yeah, so I I decided usually I wanted to race in Roth um because this year it was important for me to do races where I really want to race, where I really, yeah, my heart, with all my heart, I wanted to race, and so I decided to do South Africa and Ross. These have been my my original plan, and um, but after South Africa, I I had to I had a talk to my trainer, Fury Lindley, and we were working out if I still could race a Roth and doing another Ironman and get the qualification, but we didn't find any any solution so unfortunately then i have to cancel my my start in in rock and looked and i looked out for a new challenge or for a new ironman and um yeah and i found uh, one in in ireland and um it's it's definitely a country i ever wanted to go to and uh, so um yeah i had a look on the course which is uh, a very nice bike ride along the, the rough coast of Ireland. So, um, yeah, I felt that this is the, the right one to go. And um, so this will be, yeah, end of June, my next big Ironman, big race. And before that, I'm doing the 70.3 in Barcelona. And uh, that's in, in four weeks. And another challenge half, the championship in submarine. So this will be then two halves until, yeah, the next big Ironman event.
3: Wow. That, that new race in Cork, Ireland, it, it looks spectacular. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see how you do there. Cause that, that seems like a, a fun one that I think it's, it's new this year, right? Yeah, it's new.
0: And, uh, I have good, good experience regarding
3: those tough races.
0: I was racing two times Ironman Wales and, uh, it was a really good experience and a very warm welcome from the Welsh people there. And, uh, yeah, racing also in hard conditions is something that, yeah, uh, yeah, that I really like. It's not just about the speed, you know, it's, I like these races where it's a bit of more survival. And
1: Did you, did <laughs> you win survival, in Wales? If, if my memory is correct, yes. did you win in Wales?
0: Yeah, 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 yes, I did. And, uh, and yeah, and having these these tough races with wind and a tough surface on the road, and yeah, I really like these tough ones, which are challenging you mentally, not just physically, or mentally. And uh, so I decided, okay, I have good good memories to Wales, so why why don't go to Ireland and making good memories there? <laughs>
3: Well, best of luck to you in your prep for Ironman Ireland and, and Samarin and the other races that you have in between now and then. But um, thank you so much, Anya. Thank you for sharing your story and for coming on our show. And we'll look forward to watching the rest of your adventures this year. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me and for giving me, yeah, the chance to talk and the interest
0: in my person. So So thank you.
3: Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacy Sims. You're right. And do you know what Stacy Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products
1: have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means
3: top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch Flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor,
1: and our listeners can go to NoonLife.com and shop with a 30% off code of Iron Women to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code Ironwomen for 30% off.
3: Haley, did you did you hear what I heard in this interview? I heard a um, a German pronounce it challenge Roth, which I thought only Americans pronounce that race that way. I've heard, I think our friend, uh, our other German friends have, it's been more of like Holt. <laughs> I say it very incorrectly, but she did say challenge Roth. She might have been pandering to us, to us Americans, and coming down to our level. But um, I kind of appreciated that. I'm like, okay, I know what race you're talking about.
1: I know I fully appreciated it, and you know supported it and whatever I'll call it Roth from now, on. I'll be like, well, that's how anya says it so so ha huh. ha huh. we'll we'll go with it
3: alyssa is i and Anya, I think you and Anya might be uh need to open up a like international dog shelter here somehow like i don't i mean it seems like you have a shared love of um Of uh, the canine companion. She definitely, like,
1: takes it to another level. I mean, we all know how difficult flying with a bike can be. And then to... I just... Flying with a bike and a dog to, like, get the dog home to a home, like, so it stays alive is, like good on her man she's got a heart of gold and that's like super cool that she's doing that and um yeah i'm i would i'd totally look into it if i go race in Lanzarote again it, it definitely like makes me want to investigate this a little bit more um but then i'll probably end up with another dog so maybe that'll be like my last like retirement race will be landerati and i'll just like come home with puppies and then i can like you know, go away for a while just hang out with my puppies and like get over being retired from triathlon, you know.
3: Sounds like you have it all planned out. <laughs> but um well awesome, Alyssa, you have a excellent week training and I will uh hold down the fort for the Iron Women podcast at Ironman 70.3 St. George.
1: Go Haley, win all the marbles, have so much fun and we'll be cheering for you.
3: Thanks, Alyssa. Talk to you next week. Bye, Haley.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadesky and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners. Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FTC Nutrition, and Smash Queen.